going on, family? It's your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. We've got our Faction Quick Hits on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Well, with all that's happening in the world of pro wrestling, we like being able to do that. So, firstly, again, thank you for your consistent support of all things The Faction. If you guys aren't already subscribed, do that. It's very easy to do. Just subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is that you get your podcast. And share us with a friend as well, a fellow wrestling fan. Lots of great things that we'll be sharing. I hope you guys have been enjoying all of the great content uh, that we've been bringing you as well. It's been all sorts of fun. And, and quite frankly, I'm enjoying bringing it to you as hopefully as much as you're enjoying listening and consuming it. So I want to hop right into things because yesterday was a super busy day in the world of pro wrestling. Firstly, we have to start with the huge announcements that happened in Las Vegas from WWE uh, around their pay-per-view crown jewel. Two big matches announced, including uh, Tyson Fury, the lineal boxing heavyweight champion, will take on Braun Strowman, and then Cain Velasquez will take on Brock Lesnar. Both of these matches happening at the crown jewel pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia. So a couple of things. First of all, we're just going to have to accept WWE is in business with Saudi Arabia. They signed like a 10-year deal worth $400 million. So with that amount of money, scruples be darned. Who needs them? Who cares about integrity? You got $400 million. Well, okay you get what i'm saying the point is crown jewel is what it is now here's the question that i have and i have a number of questions the biggest of which is this should these two matches even be on that card and here's why i ask that these two matches are matches that you would imagine at a wrestlemania scenario these two matches would seemingly mean more to a u.s based audience does the saudi arabia middle eastern audience actually even know who Tyson Fury is or who Cain Velasquez is. Let's remember that the crown prince who is responsible for bringing all this together uh, was looking still for Yokozuna and the ultimate warrior to show up. So they're not exactly current. In fact, if you'll notice, this is where a lot of the Hall of Famers and old timers will show up at these Saudi Arabian Middle Eastern pay-per-views. Let's remember, that's where we saw the long-awaited return of Shawn Michaels. It's where we saw the first time ever match between Goldberg and The Undertaker. And we all remember how that went. It's why we've got Hogan and Flair, both with separate teams, showing up so I don't know that the placement of these matches makes a lot of sense for a crown jewel pay-per-view, but be that as it may, it is what it is. Um, the second piece of this that concerns me, Tyson Fury, the boxing heavyweight champion against Braun Strowman. And here's kind of where my question lies. So at what point does pro wrestling ever win in these mainstream battles. And here's what I mean. I mean, historically, even going all the way back to Muhammad Ali and Gorilla Monsoon, they do all of this work to get mainstream attention from guys who are in the mainstream world, whether it be boxing, basketball, etc. And what happens 10 times out of 10 is that the wrestler is sacrificed at the foot 
of this mainstream talent. Go down the line, whether it's Gorilla Monsoon versus Muhammad Ali. Go down the line, whether it's Mr. T showing up in at WrestleMania, being part of the winning team, whether it is uh, at WrestleMania 1 or at WrestleMania 2. You know, look at even more current when you had uh, what happened back in 2008, Floyd Mayweather against the big show or even you know the big show against Aki Bono like you can just go down the line of all of these scenarios so if you're a wrestling historian you kind of know how this ends already does Tyson Fury who happens to be undefeated in the boxing world take an L to Braun Strowman the same Braun Strowman who couldn't beat Brock Lesnar the same Braun Strowman who couldn't beat Seth Rollins the same Braun Strowman whose only championship has been a tag team championship that has never lasted during a successful title defense do we really believe Braun Strowman even has a legit chance against Tyson Fury to walk out with a win should be a great battle but I don't know that I have high hopes for this particular match, which then leads me to Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez. In all of this yesterday, Cain Velasquez also announced his retirement from MMA and that he signed a multi-year deal with the WWE. So it's already known that Cain Velasquez certainly has been testing out his wrestling skills as of late. He did some things down in Mexico, I believe with the AAA promotion, uh, doing some cool things. And the reports are that he's pretty solid in the ring. And of course, we do know that certain stories write themselves. Being the guy to defeat Brock Lesnar for the UFC Heavyweight Championship back in 2010, that story writes itself. But here's the problem. Does this man or should this man who has never had a WWE match now end up with a WWE title match against, of all people, Brock Lesnar? So how does this play out? Does Brock Lesnar get his revenge and defeat Cain Velasquez in Cain's first match? Does Cain Velasquez come from MMA to defeat Brock Lesnar and win the WWE Championship? I don't see a good ending for this at all. And I just want to apologize now. I don't want to seem like Debbie Downer, etc., etc. But you're putting this in front of a crowd who more than likely doesn't really care about Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez. That match would be better suited here in the States. But then on top of that, what actually makes sense here? And what does it mean when, again, somebody comes from outside of WWE or outside of pro wrestling, period, and now the first match, they get a title shot? Well, they're not Hulk Hogan. He's not, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel good about this at all. And I'd love to hear what you guys think about this. Cain Velasquez, multi-year deal with WWE and a WWE title shot. In his first match against Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. So that leads us to the WWE draft, which kicked off last night on SmackDown. And a couple of rules were laid out before we ever got there. The fact that SmackDown would be getting two picks for Raw's three picks since Raw is a three-hour show. Makes sense. More talent would be needed to fill up a three-hour show than a two-hour show. But WWE also released yesterday their list of the 30 superstars who were going to be available for a draft and then the 40 superstars who would be available on part two of the draft on Monday night. So if you haven't watched it, some of this is going to be a spoiler. So if you don't want to hear the spoiler, just press pause or come back to this podcast. With that said, 
We start off with Becky Lynch being the number one draft pick for Monday Night Raw. And the aesthetics are interesting. They're certainly going after uh, an NFL draft type of feel. So you have now a war room with the Fox executives and the USA executives. Can we confirm that they're actually executives for Fox and USA? The only familiar face I saw was uh, the former 24-7 champion from Fox who was on the college football program. All the other folks, I don't know. So I don't know if WWE brought in stand-ins or if these were legit folks from Fox and USA. With that said, here's where things got really problematic, and I saw this on Twitter, and then when I looked, it concerned me a great deal. That is, WWE literally did the draft word for word, name for name, in order of the press release that they shared with the 30 superstars, meaning the first superstar on there was Becky Lynch, and the first draft picked was Becky Lynch. The last superstars mentioned on there were the Street Profits, and the last folks drafted were the Street Profits. It literally went in order. We put the article on our Facebook page, so go check it out and look at the order, and what you will see will astound you and so I sit back and I say WWE what are you doing in an effort to attempt to be uh, viewed as a legitimate sport by those who may not view you as such doing things like this are both sloppy and lazy I don't understand. I don't understand. And couple that with this, and this perhaps is even more telling, the fact that just a few months ago, you did the superstar shakeup where people were assigned to Raw and to SmackDown. So a Roman Reigns was already assigned to SmackDown. A Becky Lynch at the time was a dual champion, but she was already assigned to Monday Night Raw. So you lose the excitement of the first two draft picks because wrestling fans, remember, they were already assigned to these brands. So you don't have a lot of people jumping specifically from brand to brand, which is what makes the draft exciting. I miss the excitement of when John Cena as WWE champion from SmackDown was the number one draft pick for Monday Night Raw. I miss those kinds of things. Now, with that said, the one pick that I'm most excited about is Bray Wyatt showing up on SmackDown. This is a big deal, folks. And perhaps this could explain why Bray didn't get the championship win over Seth. Or maybe this is a way to separate Bray and Seth. But I do appreciate Bray showing up last night during the big match between Roman and Seth. So, my last point before I get out of here is that we have a new SmackDown Women's Champion. Bailey defeats Charlotte Flair, ending Charlotte's 10th title reign. So there was something right here and something very wrong. What is finally right is we finally get new music and a new look for Bailey. Bailey can't be taken seriously as a heel if she's still waving to the kids, wearing ribbons, and all of that jazz. So you change up the look, you change up the music, and she berates the fans. You got a heel on your hands. And this is something new. We've been waiting to see it. She's been toying with it. Now we have it. And I'm liking it. Now, all of you music heads will note that her song is pretty much the same chord structure as the Rocks theme song. Same progressions as well. Mm. So did we get lazy with this music? I don't know. 
But the other piece that irritates me, so that's where they got it right. Where they got it wrong is Charlotte Flair, 10-time champion, losing again on her first title defense. You know, there was a time when Charlotte Flair being a champion meant something. But her last few title reigns have been abysmal at best. Go back to earlier this year when Charlotte won the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship right before WrestleMania. Defeats Asuka nine days before, and then all of a sudden both belts are on the line and she loses that belt at WrestleMania. Go back to her winning the Women's Championship at Money in the Bank, only then to lose it to Bailey same night now we have another nine day or 10 day or 11 day reign let me help you with something WWE and this is super important you're on Fox now you want to be viewed in the same light as the NFL and let's be very clear I know what you're trying to do you're trying to get Charlotte to pass her father's record as a 16-time champion but this is the difference between the WWE and perhaps other sports like football basketball, baseball, and that is this. A 14-time WWE champion is much different than a 14-time Super Bowl champion or 14-time NBA champion, and here's why. You win the title at the end of the season, and you're not necessarily defending the title the next season. Sure, you're defending champion, and if you're able to three-peat, now you're able to create a dynasty, but you're the champion, and if you don't make the playoffs, so be it, but it is viewed much differently. And it's much more difficult to get to the championship game and to be champion than it is in the world of WWE. So I'm not impressed with Ric Flair being a 16-time champion. That means he's lost the belt 16 times. And Charlotte Flair being a 10-time world champion, but doing that over the course of three to four years is not impressive. I'm far more impressed by a Bruno Sammartino who holds the belt for four years or five years. I'm more impressed with a Bob Backlund who has a longer reign like that. I'm more impressed with a Hulk Hogan that has a three to four year reign. Or in modern terms, I'm more impressed with a CM Punk with a 454 day reign. I'm more impressed with an AJ Styles with a 373 day reign. I'm more impressed with the UK champion Pete Dunne with a 685 day reign. That means more than them being champion 685 times. You get what I'm saying? So I wonder, is WWE destroying the luster of Charlotte Flair with these short title reigns? So what, you're a 10-time champion if you can't successfully defend your title? What do you guys think? Those are my thoughts. This is your quick hit. It's your man GB. You know what to do. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show, where I definitely want to hear your thoughts on what we've brought to you today, the WWE Draft, mainstream folks showing up in WWE and pro wrestling in general, and even the Charlotte Flair title reign in the WWE Draft. Talk to me about all of that at The Faction Show, and uh, we'll be back next week with more amazing content. You can also reach out to me personally at Bonnerfied on all aforementioned platforms. Until next time, it's Courtney, it's Clack, it's GB, and we are The Faction. I my people, here we go.